Yeah. So how was how was TAC? Uh, TAC was good. Was that Park City? Uh, so I we went to three of them. So we did Terry Peak. <laughs> uh, yeah, Terry Peak, Big Sky, and um, Glenwood Springs in Colorado. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. So we didn't do any of the, there were two events in Utah this year. Actually, I think Snowbird's just getting, getting going, but uh, we did decide not to do the Utah events this year since we're going to uh, Minnesota Game Fair here coming up in August. Oh, nice. Where's that yeah. one? Uh, Anoka or Ramsey. Like uh, it's at, it's hosted at Armstrong Ranch Kennels. So it's on the north side of the cities. Um, okay. Basically it's all, you know, gun dogs, waterfowl upland um basically over the yeah it's over two weekends and it's like sixty thousand people from the city's area rolling that's awesome so, yeah 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 bird dogging out there man that it gets like you got all the duck hunters and then you yep. got all the pheasant hunters that like to go west to the dakotas yep right yeah there's yep. a lot of people out there yeah when you're at when you're at TAC before we leave TAC I want yeah, to talk yeah. to you about that one because that Minnesota one that's pretty close to me and I actually have customers there so I could maybe work that in um so in TAC you guys just go there are you guys there mainly to to sell your t-shirts are you guys there for like are you actually shooting it do you so uh didn't get a chance to shoot this year just with how busy it was um okay. but we yeah, typically like used to go and shoot all the courses, you know, or shoot at least once a day. And um, as public land tease has grown, it has shifted more into just uh, being there at the booth, raising money, selling, selling merch. And um, yeah, so we, we did the three this year and it was slammed. It was, it was great. The, the Sean, the gray who owns tech always puts on a great event. And uh, those three are super fun, you know, get to see a bunch of people that we've met in the past and catch up with yeah. friends and all that kind of stuff. But then at the same time, hang out and talk about public land tees and like uh, conservation initiatives that we've got going on and, and uh, able to sling a bunch of merch and raise a bunch of money and, <laughs> and go home yeah. and everyone wins. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. a great, that's a great segue. So, and I'm interested in learning a little bit more. I know about it. I just haven't revisited it in a while, but talk yep. about what is public land tees? Like, what are you doing there? Yeah. So public land tees started, uh, the, basically the same day I launched, uh, took off on my journey in the public land bus. Uh, my brother, Josh and I launched public land tees as a way to raise money and give back to all the organizations that are helping to uh, protect public lands, increase hunter access, uh, habitat development, all of the things that protect not only public lands, but hunting heritage for future generations. Uh, so sure. it was our way to kind of creatively raise money um, rather than just uh, asking for donations or doing raffles or what, you know, what have you. So um, okay. yeah, launch, launched public land tees uh, August of 2017. Okay. And $5 from every item that we have ever sold and will ever sell, we donate back to different uh, conservation initiatives. So we're going on, you know, it's 2021 and uh, we've raised just over $150,000 between the merchandise sales, um, the donation portion of that, as well as match donations and some of the bigger initiatives that we do um, along That's the way. Awesome. So, yeah. That's pretty yeah, sweet. So what are those, are those conservation initiatives? Are those like RMEF and Pheasant Forever and and that and like you know backcountry hunters and anglers and all that or is it like actual specific like programs within those organizations or is it even outside of those organizations how does that work yeah so it's it's a little bit of a combo of all three so we we do donate directly to like say the national chapters of 
Army F, uh, Pheasants Forever, all of those types of organizations. But at the same time, we try to look for ways to leverage programs that already exist as a way to raise extra dollars. So uh, okay. we just we just finished up uh, a project called Conservation Crossing, which is we collaborated with five different conservation organizations. Anybody who bought the one shirt automatically became a one-year member of those five organizations. And if you were already a member, it extended your membership. So it was just a way to get basically a discount on being involved in conservation. So that one raised over $40,000 each year. For the last two years, we've done the Stamp It Forward project, which is outside of the realm of like just actual direct donations to um, conservation organizations. It's more a donation, like really like money into the ground uh, through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service through the Duck Stamp program. Got it. So we open it up, ask for donations uh, from individuals and companies. And with 100% of the money we get in donation, we go out and buy duck stamps. Now, nine, if, for those of listening that don't know, 98% of the purchase price of a duck stamp has to be uh, spent on habitat, has to be spent on wetland habitat more specifically. So, which helps all species across the board, um, yeah. along with things like soil erosion and flooding and water quality and you know a lot of other things that go along with that but over the past two years we've bought just shy of 2600 federal duck stamps which is close to $65,000 of uh, money raised for that program yeah and then we take those duck stamps and we start giving them away with merch sales which is a way to turn one fundraiser into another uh, because when we start selling more items, we raise more money and then we're able to donate that to different things. So what yeah, we tried to, that. that was yeah. a bad, that was a really creative idea, man. I remember when you first, like, was that last year when you launched that or two years ago? Uh, two years ago. Yep. Yeah. And I remember like all of a sudden my Instagram went from like Sam posting like five duck stamps or like 10 duck yep. stamps or whatever. And then like next day it was someone else posting two. And then the next day it was someone else posting 10. And then you're like, yeah, I just bought a hundred. Now I got to go to yep. this other <laughs> post office to buy like another 30 more. And then yep. they ran out. So then I had to go here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I bought, I don't think it was like six or seven post offices out of their duck stamps just to kind of kick that whole program off. <laughs> and which was funny, I ended up getting a bunch of uh, crap for that because uh, people were thinking I was taking opportunity away from uh, other people that were trying to buy duck stamps. Oh, it's like there's, there, it's like, <laughs> there's not a limited quantity. It's unlimited. The more we buy, the more they print. Like, so it's, yeah. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. Damn you, asshole. Now <laughs> I, I can't go get my I, duck stamp and I right? can't go yeah. hunting. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It, but the, the kind of fun thing about that was educating people on the fact that at any time of day, it, like anywhere you are in the world, as long as you can get on your phone, you can buy a duck stamp online. And then you, if you have the receipt, it lasts for 45 days and they still mail you the physical stamp, but you don't need to have, you don't need to go to the post office or go to a sporting goods store to buy a stamp anymore. Right. Um, yeah. You can just, do it online and then have that on your phone. But yeah, it was pretty fun. And then, but yeah, above and beyond that, we try to find like real specific projects. Um, okay. rather, like more, more so often than not, we try to, rather than just donating to like the overall fund, which is necessary, we try to find projects which, uh, you know, are going to open up landlocked public or are going to go directly towards purchasing a piece of land that will then be turned over to the public or something along those lines that's really going to, help the future of hunting access habitat those types of things rather than just throwing it into the into the big fund yeah no, and that makes sense you know from as like 
from my perspective is just like a general donator. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, Hey, I'm going to buy my, you know, RMUF membership for whatever that is 35 bucks this year. Yep. And then I will, you know, throw an extra hundred bucks just at the pot. Yep. It'd be, it, it, it'd be cool if I could be like, Oh, that's a program that I would like to, you know, commit to, you know, yep. I could throw a hundred bucks towards that program. How do you, how do you find that? Mostly it's just having conversations with whether it be regional directors or national directors and really okay. like kind of boiling it down to like, okay, what's a project that we could help get behind, uh, you know, and, and like put some shed some light on, you know, and in addition to donating some money to. Um, so it's, it's really just diving a little bit deeper and asking the questions on like, hey, what project do you have coming up that we could maybe, maybe like actually make a difference on rather than just throwing it to the general fund. So like last year we donated, uh, last, last spring donated, it was like 1500 bucks or $1,430, I think was the exact number to buy uh, sagebrush seedlings. And it was an NWTF project in Idaho. But what it did was it uh, helped basically reclaim or rehabilitate habitat that helps not only wild turkeys, but mule deer, antelope, uh, bighorn sheep, you know, like across the board. So, yeah. um, and that was just like through all of this work that we've been doing, like just having those connections um, with the different directors and stuff. And, you know, like yeah. I'm always like, Hey, if you have a good idea, if you have a good project that you think would be a good fit, like send an email to us and we can either say yay or nay, like depending on what it is. So right, um, and how much yeah. funding it needs. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 A lot of times. Yeah, no, we can't. I, yeah. I can yeah. easily see it being um, like, at some point people are, and I'm sure it's probably already happening. Like, Hey Sam, we got this project. What you got oh, yeah. going on? Hey Sam, yep. we got this project. Oh yeah. Once you, once you get your name out there with those organizations, they'll yeah. hit you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, no, it's been, it's been great. You know, like, and try, I should know the exact number of organizations that we've worked with now. It's like 10. Um, and that list will just keep growing as we, yeah. you know, as we grow, like we're able to, you know, grow more with all these organizations, do more and, and uh, talk about more and, and, uh, you know, Josh and I are, uh, typically just kind of every time we hang out, we're trying to come up with a new way to, you know, fund something. So, right. yeah. yeah, sit around, drink beers and talk about how to raise money. Yeah. It's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. And for everybody yeah. listening, um, welcome back to the podcast. I apologize. I missed two weeks. I missed last week and this week. It's been just crazy. I don't know why I missed last week. I actually had the podcast all loaded up and everything. And I just didn't hit schedule. <laughs> so, <laughs> so miss that one. Um, but I appreciate everybody coming back. And today we have Sam Soholt. So the guy you've been hearing aside from me, um, Sam Soholt, find him on Instagram. Is it just flat out Sam Soholt? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. S O H O L T. Um, and obviously Sam has the public land tees. He had the public land bus, which you mentioned, which if you haven't heard about it, you got to check that thing out. It is a badass bus that Sam and his brother, Josh, um, yep. essentially renovated into a phenomenal sleeping quarters and travel. Like it's a tra mini traveling house. That was a school bus. Yep. <laughs> it travel around. It's like called the public land bus. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with that. So check that one out. Um, and aside from the, the public land tees and the fundraising and that you actually have like a quote unquote real job, which most people think is only a fantasy, but it is <laughs> traveling and being a photographer for hunting companies, right? 
tons. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing, uh, I'm permalance is probably a better word than freelance, but I've uh, <laughs> been doing, yeah, I've been doing freelance video and photography work since uh, 2012. So just, just shy of a decade. Yeah. My first real job, no real job quote, um, when I was finishing up college was an internship with Midwest Whitetail down in Southern Iowa. And they, you know, they taught me, showed me the ropes on video production, uh, a little bit of photography, um, kind of all the ins and outs of, you know, some of the hunting industry side from, from the content creation side of things. And, uh, just kind of took all that knowledge and ran with it. And it just started to snowball into more and more opportunities, more and more clients and, and more and more adventures around the you know country and world. And I've been, I've been pretty lucky to keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, and that's, uh, that's one of the things I remember hearing you on a previous podcast and someone asked you like, how do you get into the hunting industry and your response, which is, which I loved was just say yes. Mm-hmm. Like put your name out there, when people <laughs> call you say yes. And you yeah. go like, yeah. yes, I can make it work. Yes. I can make it work. Yeah. I mean, that's probably still the best advice I could give. Uh, like, I mean, my like journey into it was like cold calling and cold emailing hunting shows when I was all fired, you know, end of the fall of, I think it was, must've been 2010. And I was just jacked up about, I'd killed a couple deer and like my first year archery hunting and I was all fired up and had had an interest in filming, like leading up to that. And so I just started emailing people and got a response back and was like, Hey, can you come down to Iowa to interview over Christmas break? And I was like, yep, I'll be there. So, you know, I just hop in the truck and go. And uh, yeah, the more, the more times I just started saying yes to things, the, the more uh, experiences I got and that, you know, each job led to the next job. So like me saying, yes, you know, took me to Iowa, took me to Colorado, then took me to Montana, which I happened to just randomly be in a coffee shop and met a, a buddy of mine now, but uh, met a guy in a coffee shop who did video production. And two weeks later, I was in Alaska filming a bear hunt. So like, it's just, like, it's all the little, <laughs> it's, it's not one big decision. Most of the time, it's a bunch of little decisions that kind of leads you down the path you want to go. Yeah, I think, and I think that really worked for any, I mean, even outside the hunting industry, right? If you're reaching out to people and you're trying to grow your own career, grow your own job and whatever, it's like, Hey, can you do this trade show? Can you go meet with this person? Mm -hmm. Can you go do this? And then the answer, if you're really looking to blossom into that career or that path, the answer should always be yes. It shouldn't be, well, I have a softball game that night at my beer league (laughs) So right. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm, I was like, Oh my God. I remember I got that once I wanted to hire a friend of mine at a, at a job. And have you ever heard of prevailing wage? Mm-mm. So prevailing when you, if you're, if you're a non-union worker and you're working on a state job. So a perfect example, like um, university in Fargo, you get you, if you're working at a university in Fargo, you are going to get the minimum union wage that a union worker would get regardless okay. of your experience level or anything. It's just the state pays minimum. That's their sure. minimum that they pay. So it's called prevailing wage. So um, the jobs that we were working on, we're paying between 45 and $65 an hour starting. Like that's just mm-hmm. what you got walking in the door. And a buddy of mine, I was like, Hey man, I think you'd be a good fit on this. Your base rate would be like 12 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour. Um, but there's opportunity for some prevailing wage stuff. I don't know if you're going to be on it or not. And I knew he was, but I just wanted to like test the waters on him. Right. To see if he'd even commit. And he was like, well, man, not sure about that. Like I got a softball game and I don't know if I can interview (laughs) and you know, I'm the captain of this 
you know, baseball league. And I'm like, all right, dude, if you're not committed to it, like I'm not interested <laughs> in telling you that you're going to make 70 grand this year, you know, uh, with no college degree or anything. And you're just going to yeah. be, you know, doing pretty easy work, but yeah. that's fine. <laughs> um, like, well, and I, <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think that's a good example because it's, it's uh, sometimes it's hard to see the opportunity that's hit me in the face. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not open to it, you know, if you're not, if you're not looking for it, like you're going to miss that door. So right. Um, what it I think, could be. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Cause yes. you're one of your big breakouts is the photo fo- is a photo. I, I, I love is Joe Rogan with that, you know, moose quarter on his shoulder. Yep. Yep. And that came from, you know, I mean, Oh, like kind of the serendipitous, like how that all played out was just, was on a, um, was filming for the history channel on a bear hunting show like after I filmed one bear hunt led to filming Coast Guard Alaska led to filming for the history channel and the last hunt that I filmed up on Kodiak Island the hunter was a guy in the hunting industry and his best buddy which is now a good buddy of mine uh, was on the hunt with him and at the time he did uh, PR for uh, Remington firearms and so he had seen all the photos I was taking like on this trip while we were out filming as well and and uh, he hired me for my first ever, first ever professional photo shoot, which was a new product seminar for Remington, um, which I did a few of those. And I think the third new product seminar that I was um, shooting photos for, I was out in West Virginia. And at that point, I had shot enough photos where I had like a little, you know, like PDF portfolio put together. So like if there was an editor or a writer or somebody that needed to like see my work, I could just email that over and... Uh, and um, I had met an editor, Mike Scobie, on this West Virginia trip. And I'm trying to remember how it went. Like that was in, that trip was in mid-October. And I flew home. And like three days later, I had, um, I think it was a phone call from Scobie. And he called me. He's like, hey, uh, what are you doing? What over the first 10 days of November? And I was like, oh, I don't have anything on the schedule yet. And he's like, oh, you want to go to BC and shoot a moose hunt? We're trying to do a cover shoot with Joe Rogan. And, you know, at this point, like Joe Rogan was the guy from Fear Factor. Like, I mean, like he was, he had just started hunting. He had just like, kind of like, nobody really knew him for who he is today. Like, you know, whatever, however many million downloads he has on every podcast. And like this, <laughs> the, basically the voice of our generation at some level. Yes. Um, and so you know, I was like, oh yeah, of course, you know, mostly like, I was like cover of Peterson's hunting magazine. Like it didn't matter who was on the cover. Like I was just like, so jacked to be, to be have the opportunity. So, uh, yeah, like two weeks later I was rolling into, you know, Quinnell, <laughs> British Columbia and going moose hunting with a, now a really good friend, Ben O'Brien, who works over in meat eater and Joe Rogan and the guide, uh, Mike Hockridge at, um, big country outfitters up in BC. So, yeah, it was, again, it was just saying yes at the right time and being willing to, you know, jump on something, even if it was a tight fit or whatever, and, you yeah. know, miss, missing out on the whitetail rut. <laughs> I know that's, a, that's the thing. The first 10 days of November. Well, uh-huh. I don't have plans, but I really do. What's the opportunity? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I know my boss who's a, who's a big hunter just scheduled a conference for October 26th through the 28th. And I already mm. have that week off and he's like yeah. Dude, gonna have to come back i know what you're doing <laughs> i really am sorry but yeah we're gonna need you at this conference yeah <laughs> i'm like that's fine but i get the next week then 
Yeah. Like, oh, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, that's, I, I, I love that story. And I love the, the thought process of, of just say yes and be willing to go and be willing to take those adventures and those risks because without them, you know, you can get stuck doing something that you don't like, or you just get stuck yep. in a rut and you're, yep. you look, you look back and all of a sudden it's been five years and you're still not where you want to be, or you're still, you're just yep. not where you're at. Yeah. It's um, easy. It's easy to get comfortable. Yes. Yeah, that is so true. Uh, one thing that I always like to say is um, uh, contentness kills greatness. So I like that being content kills great kills. I mean, because yeah, it's something that like, you know, if, if you if like your life and your living standards and you make 50 grand a year and you're really happy, like mm-hmm. with where you're at, but you want to like move forward, you know, it's it's hard to be like, well, I have everything I need. Why do I need to why do I need to cam Haynes this shit in the morning? Like, right. I'm okay with where I'm at. Like, why do I need, you know, yep. it's really easy to be like, I don't need to do that, but I, you know, it's a internal drive and an inter- internal motivation to, to push past that contentness and get to yeah. that greatness, you know, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, like you said, and that's, and that's part of the whole, just say yes and go and give it a shot. Yeah, I'm sure it was, I, you know, I know my wife hates when I do that, but it's, <laughs> It happens. <laughs> we work through it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what do you guys got coming up this year? So you are, I, I guess you said you were heading to the Minnesota um, yep. game. What's that yep. one? The Minnesota, uh, game? Minnesota game fair. Yep. Okay. And that's yep. mainly dogs. Cause you're doing a lot. I see you're doing a lot more like bird upland birds. And I know you like, yep. like you've done a few duck hunts lately. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that whole event is basically surrounding uh, dogs, waterfowl, upland, you know, duck and goose calls, turkey stuff, deer, you know, deer hunting, but mainly like definitely more towards the small game aspect of, of uh, the hunting category. So, but yeah, that one will be fun. Um, we'll be, we'll have both the bus and the van down there. Um, and that starts here in a couple weeks. I don't know what it, the first weekend is like the 13th, 14th, 15th. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah but just oh, getting that's... geared up, getting geared up for that. And then but that one's two weekends in a row and then it's time to go hunting. So, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. yeah. End of August. Like I've, I've got so much to do in such a short period of time, like just to get ready. Um, but yeah, first big trip this year will be, um, mid September, I think either the ninth or the 10th fly into Anchorage and then flying in for a two week moose hunt, um, right. on a lake. Hold on. One, wait one second yeah. before yeah. we get into that. Yep. If you are, and I have, I have a decent amount of listeners from Minneapolis. So sure. if you are in Minneapolis where it was in Anoka, you said? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, it's the Minnesota game fair. Uh, I don't remember if the town is Anoka it's well, it's near Anoka, uh, Ramsey, you know, like that area. Sure. Yep. Um, but it's at Armstrong ranch kennels and it is the weekend of the 13th, 14th, 15th of August. And then the following weekend, um, whatever that is the 20th, 21st, 22nd. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So go check them out. It's a giant green bus. Yep. And a badass <laughs> four wheel drive van. Yes. It's also green. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the same color scheme, just uh, slightly smaller. Yeah. So yeah, go check them out. Grab some public land tees. They're pretty, yep. they're actually like, I like the designs. I like the designs that you oh, get. Thank you. They're pretty nice. It, do you guys do that? You and Josh do that? Yep. Yep. So we, uh, we brainstorm over all the designs and then we find uh, graphic designers that are better at putting it on a computer than we are. 
uh, I've, I've been able to do a few of the simple ones. Um, but yeah, like, a, you know, like I'm wearing one right now, it's like a, our brand new compass design mm -hmm. and had a, had a buddy of ours, uh, that's a graphic designer, put that one together. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. So yeah, yeah. go check that out. All right. Yeah. So then you were saying first hunt is in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, first hunts in Alaska this year. So the uh, the original plan around this trip was to um, we had booked a hunt, uh, paid a deposit, um, not a huge deposit, but paid a deposit, um, and the plan was to drive the van, like do an overland trip up to Alaska, and then horseback in for ten days or whatever, and hunt moose, and then um, hopefully shoot a couple, and then come back out, and then overland the van all the way back through Canada. Well little thing called COVID kind of had the border closed, uh, still closed <laughs> until August 9th of this year. So um, we've, you know, like canceled our trip last year. And then this year with, you know, that we we're assuming that the border would open, but said, screw it, we're not going to wait, like, you know, for the chance to like go moose hunting. So we're, uh, we're flying to Anchorage and okay. just gonna, gonna do it that way. And we figure we can cover the, if we need to, we can cover more miles and do an overland trip in the States <laughs> in the van, in the van and drive up to Alaska some other day. Um, yeah, maybe next we, year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're flying up to Anchorage mid September and then we'll hunt for, uh, through the end of the season, which is the 25th of September. Um, so hopping in a float plane up there and flying into a lake and live in a little 10 by 12 shack for like 10 or 12 days. And that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully find a couple, uh, you know, 50 plus inch moose that we can shoot. And, <laughs> and then, you know, I think, uh, depending on the area, uh, we're in contact with the outfitter who's doing the drop camp for us, um, or the fly in and just asking him about wolf and bear tags and stuff and see if we need to yeah. hold those too. So, um, yeah, should be That's awesome. Should, should yeah. Be a huge adventure, a, a single species into a multi-species. You're already there. Most that's of right. Already covered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah. Uh, all right. A couple questions on that one. Yeah. Are you guys doing like, you said it's a drop camp, so they're just dropping you off and they're like, yeah, we'll pick you up in 12 days. Go right. get them tiger. Yep. Exactly. So, okay. so you guys they, are, uh, who's, who's we, who are you going? So with? just Josh and I. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. So we'll, uh, and then we'll be filming the whole thing um and so doing a project with that whole like you know just kind of that adventure hunt like the yeah. it's really like you know we've done a lot of hunting together but it's our first real big like actual adventure hunt you know i've been able to go on josh has gone on them like in different areas and i've gone on big adventure hunts and you know sheep hunts and different stuff all over the place but um this will be the first one that we're doing together so we'll i think it's going to be a pretty good time that's awesome uh, yeah, and yeah it'll be a it'll be a film it'll be a project yeah. too yep exactly yeah that's so, cool um yeah i'm looking forward i mean we're both looking forward to it it's going to be you know basically living on a lake um you know we'll probably do a little fishing while we're in the middle of the day if you know if it's you yeah. know hot and sunny and stuff isn't moving we'll be trying to catch trout for dinner and and uh and then we'll, we'll have a little watercraft to get around the lake a little bit and we'll, nice we'll uh, paddle around and hunt moose for 12 days and just live in the Alaskan bush and, and uh, you know, hopefully That's come out a whole lot heavier than we went in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard of, uh, I've heard of elk 101 and I've taken the course, never yeah. heard of moose 101. Like, do no. you know what you're doing or are you guys just <laughs> so, off? <hunting? laughs> so I've been, I've been on a couple moose hunts in Canada um, and, and then Josh is, he's been all fired up. He's been reading moose books and watching moose videos and, <laughs> and everything he can get his hands on, uh, you know, been asking anybody that we know that does 
moose guiding or moose outfitting or whatever, we've been asking as many questions as we possibly can about just like different tactics and stuff, uh, depending on the time of year. So sure. I think we're, we should be hitting it just perfect as far as like the rut goes. Um, so with, with any luck, we'll have, you know, several, like we'll have moose that are kind of traveling through the country looking for cows. And, uh, you know, if we can call one in great, or if we need to like get after it, you know, rip through the willows and alders and all that stuff and try not to get eaten by a grizzly bear like you know we'll do that too so um but yeah but yeah we'll both have tags and um so we're going up there and uh we'll both have you know obviously both have a rifle in our hands and bear spray and and uh probably you know we don't know what we don't know so we'll see how much trouble we can get ourselves into <laughs> yeah oh that'll be that'll be epic yeah like you said so that was my next question it's it's a rifle hunt not an archery hunt Yep. Rifle hunt. It can, you know, you can do either. Okay. Um, but, but if we're, uh, we figured if we're spending the money and going up there to, uh, to do this whole thing, like, uh, there's a lot of years left where we can go up and get, get one with a bow if we oh, really yeah. want, but, uh, yeah, we're both going up with, uh, with rifles. Okay. Yeah. Is the, is the terrain up there? And this is key, just pure curiosity now is yeah. the terrain up there. Like, are you guys going to be able to glass or is it just thick, thick bush? So that's an excellent question. We actually just uh, sent a question to the outfitter just to, you know, either send us a pin or like an overhead shot of like the lake that we'll be on. There should be some, at least enough undulation in the terrain where we can find, you know, like um, a glassing point that we can go sit on every each day. Um, and uh, I mean, typically, you know, like if you're down on a lake, right, there's a lot of times you can like find at least one spot where you can paddle to or whatever and climb up on and like get a, enough of a view, you know, thank, thank God moose are like seven feet tall. So you can, <laughs> you know, you can, a lot of times if there is a big bowl in there, you can see the paddles like moving through the territory and stuff. So, sure. um, but yeah, we'll, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, one buddy said, you know, like moose hunting is definitely bang or bust. Like, you know, like it, it can be really boring for a long time and then be amazing. So, um, I think that's more the game than anything. It's just being willing. Cause like a lot of times, you know, and a lot of the stuff that Josh has read and I've been watching or whatever, um, you might have a moose that's only a mile away and you call or whatever, and they hear you, um, and they just like chill, but like maybe three days later, they'll come in and investigate. So, uh, like, at a slower <laughs> pace. Yeah. You know, or like they finally get curious enough where they just like wander in, like and the next morning they're standing where you were calling the night before or whatever. So, yeah um yeah we're just gonna try to play the game and, and learn as much as we can before going up there in six weeks or so and and uh hopefully you know go get it done oh that's awesome yeah so after that what's the schedule looking like so after that get home and uh regroup on stuff and then we'll do uh probably some mule deer hunting in october archery mule deer um and then uh, being a North Dakota resident now, I've got an archery tag in the state so I can hunt whitetail or mule deer. Um, nice. haven't decided quite what I'm going to chase yet, uh, depending on timing. Um, sure. and really like, you know, like without doing an elk hunt leading up to the moose hunt, just because we're going to be gone for so long, um, you know, trying to squeeze in like a seven day elk hunt before going on like two and a half week moose hunt, you know, is, is hard on the home front, especially, <laughs> especially for my brother who's got a couple of kids. Um, so we'll, we'll mule deer hunt in October, uh, like sometime in the first three weeks, we'll go out and chase them around for five, six days. And then I've got, this one is going to be different for me. So like I've, my whole staple, like forever has been, you know, public land DIY whitetail hunting. 
um, sure. you know, whatever, you know, most West, of the rest, West Whitetail, right. Hunting yeah. public routes, man. It, exactly. So, um, I got the opportunity to go hunt in Southwest Wisconsin in Buffalo County on a, like, it's a, you know, whatever, a um, an outfitted hunt, yeah. but it's a, it's a photography like product, um, opportunity hunt with mystery ranch backpacks so i'm going to okay. in october 19th through the 24th i'll be chasing pre-rut whitetails in wisconsin which i jacked about yeah. um yeah i mean that's that great action man that's right yeah like i mean i'm you know that uh, i got the text about that possible opportunity and i was like uh, yeah like i'm <laughs> never gonna say no <laughs> never gonna say no to something like that so doing that and then uh, my brother's got a good rifle tag in colorado um, I think that's like October 30th through November 7th, somewhere in there. Okay. So depending on what my schedule looks like or whatever, we might eat, like, I might go out and film him or like, we can, you know, find a videographer for him, you know, like to go film that hunt. And then we'll do a family whitetail trip, um, uh, probably the 10th, 9th, 10th of November through the 16th. And then I've got a, a rifle whitetail tag out in Western North Dakota that I'm going to go try to, um, do something with that. I think that the second week of the season towards the tail end of the season out in Western North Dakota. So Western North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a schedule. Did yeah, you it's know, busy. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that last year they almost had a doe only in Buffalo County? Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was certainly overturned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Outfitters. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah so, what, the, so what was the reasoning on that? Uh, CWD. Okay. And the lack of the lack of doe, fa- doe tags that are filled every year. Yeah. So, um, Buffalo County is just such a, if you guys don't know, Buffalo County is like one of the top counties in the, in the States for whitetails. Yeah. Um, not yeah. just Wisconsin, but like States across the board. Um, they register more Pope and Young and Boone and, Boone and Crockett's than I think there's maybe two other counties or three other counties in the country that may tag more, but yeah. it's just a, it's a ton of land managers that all want big bucks and yeah. lots of big property owners. And they're all working towards that. Yep. But yeah, that's, it's been a massive lack of doe tags filled. Um, yeah. You know, so, which is yeah, the which... county advisory. We have a uh, deer county advisory boards in wisconsin so every county that's how the units are broken up so every county kind of gets to decide like what they want to do and they had voted in buffalo county to um to only have a doe season last year it's not a final say but that advisory board said we need to keep cwd is creeping up from very southwest wisconsin is is rampant with cwd and that's probably, yeah. I don't know, 60, 70 miles away from Buffalo County, 80 miles away. Um, and that's like Doug Dern, right? If you, you guys yeah. know Doug Dern, yeah. he's right in that Casanova area. And that's yeah. like ground zero for CWD in Wisconsin. So it is, it's pushing up and they're like, dude, we need to thin thin these herds. We need to get some deer out of here for that yeah. betterment of the herd overall. Yeah. And um, and I think there was an agreement made between the, the guides were like, yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing that. That goes our entire year. Like no one's coming yeah. here to shoot does. Right. Um, right. So it was overturned, but I think you know, there's, there had to be some sort of backdoor deal of, yeah, we, we will punch all these doe tags for you. That's yeah. fine. Let yeah. us keep hunting bucks. You tell us how many does you want and we'll start right. taking them. Yeah. Cause it, you know, it's, it's actually, that's interesting to me though. Cause most of the time 
or, I mean, not, I shouldn't say most of the time, but like, you know, if I go back to like my Midwest whitetail roots, like Bill Winky, when he bought that farm originally in Southern Iowa, like year one and two, I think he shot like 60 or 70 does each year, mm-hmm. like off of that, you know, initially it was like 800 acres or whatever. Yeah. And just like went on a, like a doe spree because he wanted that duck buck to doe ratio like yeah. down. And so it, it's interesting to me that, you know, those, I mean, I, I understand like you have clients coming in and stuff that don't want to like, just, you know, stack up a couple extra does just to stack up extra does. But, um, it's interesting to me that they wouldn't have been like basically adamant about that from the get go. I, one of my school of thoughts on that, and this, this could be certainly wrong, but my thought is like, you know, a lot of these land managers are, are, have been here for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Yep. And when the initial let them go, let them grow came off, yep. they just let everything go. Right. Um, more deer yeah. people see the more like active it is for a hunter yeah. and, yeah. you know, Hey, yep. You can shoot a bucket, you know, the guided hunts, you know, whatever, $4,000. And if you stack a dough, like that's an extra hundred bucks, but you certainly can, you know, right. maybe they charge extra for that. Maybe they don't. So that like discourages a hunter of shooting them sure. yeah. or even just like, well, I don't want to go through the work of gutting this thing and finding it. And if I shoot gut, shoot it, then I'm doing yeah. all this shit when I'm really here for, you know, 170 class or greater. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's probably true. You know, a lot of hunters not want to mess up the chance at, you know, shooting a, the, a buck if it's coming right. by next or whatever. So, yeah. And, and it, yeah. And I would imagine like from my personal scenario, it's like, fine, don't, I'm going to plant a late season food plot. And someday just, I'm going to go out there with like 10 hunters and we're just going to all sit in some box blinds and just right. yeah. <laughs> wait until yeah. they all come. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take 20 in an evening, you know, right. get it out, get it yeah. done. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that, yeah. Well, that'll be fun. So you said you have a, a family hunt, <clears throat> a family whitetail hunt. Yep. Is that like your wife and then no, Josh's uh, family or what? No. So it'll be uh, my dad, brother, uncle, and then brother-in-law this year, first time that he'll be there. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll all get together and chase whitetails for a week. And um, Is that in yeah. North Dakota? Or? Uh, that one's, that one's back home in South Dakota. Yep. Okay. So we'll, yep. So we'll archery hunt for a week and and uh kind of see see how it all goes but yeah it should be should be it's always a good trip you know just being able to like have a dedicated week where we always get together and you know like kind of bring back some of that hunting camp uh vibe which is you know like i think needs to happen more like you know like as the as the way of the hunting industry goes way towards you know like more me 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 like individual like hero hunters uh, which is fine you know like that's you're gonna have that you're gonna have guys that love to do it you know the solo thing but i think uh one of the things that we've lost through time is that you know like dedicated hunting camp Mm -hmm. which was a lot of times more about like the camaraderie and you know and all of that type of stuff rather than just the just punching tags yep and that is certainly in wisconsin that is certainly still a a big thing here it's just like yeah when gun season rolls around i'm not I'm not super interested in I, the odds of killing a good buck could just go way down. Yep. Right. If you haven't killed one by November 10th, like 12th, the yep. odds of you getting one on opening a gun, you get like the first few hours. And after that, it's like, all right, let's go play Euchre. Right. We'll have some cocktails. <laughs> let's go hang out yep. for the day. Maybe we'll sit yep. the last hour. Yep. Right. And, yep. and just have a good time with everybody. And I, and I enjoy that a lot. And my dad's really not a big hunter. Like he's a very yep. fair weather hunter. 
and I want something easy. If it's cold, give me a heater. Yep. So like I'm out there to, to spend time with him and he's out there to spend time with me. And we both make compromises on me yep. on my hunting, him on going hunting for longer than an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that about, you know, states like, well, Northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. PA, Michigan, like, you know, they yeah. still have those, like the big hunting camp tradition. And that's really cool. But, you know, as you, as you get further West like that, you know, starts to go away. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yes, I would certainly imagine that. And I, and I, my buddies from, I have three friends that moved from Wisconsin to uh, Denver. They all live in Denver now for all different reasons. And um, they're trying to do that in the elk woods where they just set up a camp and like everybody can kind of come and go as they please. And everybody gets to hang out at the same time. You're not like, you're going miles and miles a day. Like you're totally yeah. disappearing from each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's really the difference. Like it's, it's not as conducive to having like, you know, that hunting camp tradition, but yeah. that's cool. That's cool that they're still trying to do it. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so one of the other things that you mentioned was that the, obviously the duck hunting aspect and the game, yep. um, the Minnesota yep. game fair. And I feel like duck hunting is more, it's more like fun and like a social aspect in that mm-hmm. sense. Cause you don't have to whisper. You get to just hang out and yep. cook food in the blind and yep. <laughs> do your yeah. thing. Oh yeah. Are you sure. doing, are you, I mean, are you doing more of that or are you only doing that when you're like assigned for, for a film or a photography? No, de- definitely doing more of it, you know, and that's what I grew up doing or what we grew up doing. Uh, you know, like I lived and breathed waterfowl until I was 23. Um, and you made the switch to whitetail. Well, yeah. Like I'd, I'd gone out the year before and filmed, uh, my brother and his buddy on an elk hunt and had never big, I mean, I had shot a couple deer over the years, but like, it was never, you know, I never thought about it. Like my, I was focused on greenheads. Like that was it. <laughs> and, uh, bad you know, weather greenheads and yeah. getting out there and smashing the limit. Yeah. Late October, November, like, you know, cold north wind, clear skies a little bit. I mean, just, oh yeah, there's nothing, nothing better still. Um, <laughs> but yeah, trying to get back more back into that just because of every time I go back and I do a waterfowl hunt or like get out and start waterfowl hunting again. And like every time I do it, I like, why am I not doing this more? Like, what am I like? I mean, big game hunting is great and everything, but like, just like, and it maybe it's just like all of the nostalgia of you know, basically 20 years of like dedicated, or well, I guess 13, 15 years of dedicated, like waterfowl hunting, like all that, like all the memories and stuff flood back when you get that first flight of green heads and the decoys. And so, oh, yeah. um, yeah, definitely going to be doing more waterfowl and small game stuff over the next few years. Um, cause been going pretty hard on the, like, I'll never stop the game hunting, but <clears throat> been going pretty hard on the big game side of things for uh, a decade now. Yeah. Well, you yeah. put, uh, you put so much thought into like, uh, like if you're hunting a, a private whitetail property or you're doing a, a specific whitetail hunt or a specific elk hunt, there's a lot of preemptive thought, like your moose hunt. There's a ton of planning, a ton of mm-hmm. thought into, all right, we're going to try here on day one. If we don't see anything, we're going to try over here. Maybe we'll take a trip out here and you're doing all this planning for this, you know, this big game that you might kill you. Odds are you won't, yep. but hopefully you do. <laughs> Yep. Um, and then, and then you go out squirrel hunting and you're just like, yeah, I'll just take my gun and we'll go for a walk for a couple hours and smash yep. a few squirrels, cook up some squirrel legs. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just like no thought. And it's just like pure fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that's the cool thing about small game hunting is it's all dictated by like, obviously big game hunting is dictated by where the animals are, but yeah. so much more so like on, especially the waterfall front, like you're just hunting where the birds are, you know, it's like, you're finding, you're waiting for the migration or you're going out and scouting, you know, and you're just finding where the birds are. It's not like, Oh, I have this 40 acres that I, you know, am trying to, you know, change the deer behavior or whatever for them to like walk through this lane and whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's, they, they can pick up and fly. So it's, it's all, uh, it's all on them. You just go figure out where they are and start hunting. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the cool part about it. Yeah. And I, I didn't see, yeah, it's that social aspect, the cool part about just hunting, Yep. Uh, and having a lot of opportunity too, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you get to shoot six birds and you're probably going to miss another 20 before you get oh, yeah. to those six. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, right. So you're not yep. like, it's not just like, all right, I shot a buck. Now I got to put in, you know, seven hours of work to yep. get this thing out of the woods, especially if you're like on public, like, you know, there's right. always the thought when you're walking back in on a piece of public, you're like, God damn, what if I shoot something? Yeah. <laughs> and it's I know you can't way mindset, in there. It, yeah. It comes into everybody's head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we I think we need to start training more people to quarter out animals. Although maybe not, because if we continue to let people think that they have to drag it out, you know, two, three miles, there'll be a lot less people back in the yeah. places that I hunt. <laughs> yeah. I, I have I have after I went out, I I quartered out one elk and I was like, why am I not doing this on mm-hmm. public? And since then that's all I've done. Every deer I've shot on public, yep. oh, I yeah. have a, I have a big Kafaru. It's like yep. a 3,500. Yep. And I, when I know I'm going deep and I got good odds, I'll just take that as my pack. And then, yeah, I'll just throw everything right in there. And yep. it just hundred percent fits right in there. And then I just carry it out, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. There was one time we were walking out of the woods. My buddy had shot a doe and we were a mile and a half back on in a swamp, in a, like a dirty swamp. Um, and found it and we packed it up he had a bag i had a bag i think he had an xo and i had that kafaru and we were walking out and there were two hunters coming in and we had the whole thing zipped up so you didn't even know that we had them and they're like oh hey what's up guys and this was at like we found them the next day it was at like you know 10 10 a.m or something when we were getting out of there and they were coming in it was it was the middle it was probably like november 3rd or 4th they were just coming in midday Yep. And I remember them saying to me like, Hey guys, how's it going? We're like, ah, pretty good. They're like, Oh, you're just out for a hike with your bag. And we were like, yeah, training for elk season. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Not interested in telling you that we got a deer in the bag here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And, and letting people think that they have to drag it out, keeps them closer to that parking lot. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Cause I, I've done some horrible drags, you know, and then <clears throat> a couple of them like, like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was a big buck, but man, I'm not, I'm not super interested in doing that. Again. No, no. I just do your amounts on everything anyway. So I don't, you know, like there's no reason to like really protect it. Right. Yeah. Just throw it in. Mm-hmm. Are there, are, what's your, what would your favorite or what's the hunt you're most excited about? It can't be the moose hunt. It can't be the moose. Oh, well then definitely the family trip. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, didn't you do that? And you got one with a decoy? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember watching that story and whatnot. Can you, can you walk through that one? Yeah. So we, it was another family hunt. It was, uh, my dad, brother, uncle and I, and, um, we had picked a new like area and had never 
really set foot in that area. And so, you know, I had gone into full like e-scouting mode on OnX and <clears throat> I think I had whatever, 7,500 pins of different spots that we should try. <laughs> and so <clears throat> the plan was to, like, we went into that week where each of us would hunt a different one of the pins morning and then evening. So then we could have, we could scout eight places a day was kind of sure. the plan. And so I think it was day three, uh, like we basically, you know, we had base camp and then we just started in a ring out like around from us in like the closest radius that we could and then started going out from there. So day three, you know, I had to drive like 45 minutes to this spot, um, but, you know, left it. I don't even know what time it was left at three 30 and pulled in and parked and walked in and I didn't know where I was going to set up. So I had, uh, I had planned on just getting to a high spot. I looked at the topo and was able to see like, Oh, if I sit here, I should be able to get a good view of like, you know, these little finger ridges and this little like field and like stuff and try to get a, just a ballpark on like where deer movement might be happening. Yeah. Didn't, didn't bring a stand. I just brought my heads up decoy just in case I spotted something I could move in on. I try to call to it, you know, we're at the heat of the rut <clears throat> and got there when set up twilight happened. And the first thing I saw was this just really big deer, like leave in public. Like he had come in probably rutted all night on, you know, these does like on the yeah. public. And then he was just out, like he was gone. He's <laughs> like, all right, it's sunrise. I'm out. So he, uh, I watched him bail off and it was, it was a big deer. And, uh, so I was like, okay, well there's, you know, probably deer in here, like trying to, you know, so I moved down, did a little calling sequence, rattle sequence, um, and just sat there for like 10, 15 minutes, nothing happened. And the wind was blowing super hard out of the West, Northwest. And there was two drainages and the drainages ran North, South. And I was on the North end. I was like, all right, well, I'll the East drainage. I'll pick my way down it and let my wind blow out the drainage to the, you know, to the, like going to the east of me. And, and then I'll pop over the top and I'll work that other drainage back up. And if I don't get anything, I'll just, you know, take off mostly just scouting for places to hang stands, looking for sign, whatever. Yeah. So I get in, get into this first drainage and like every tree, like, you know, every 40 yards is just shredded. Like, like big, you know, big, you know, six inch bases and stuff, like just big trees just all shredded up. I was like, all right, well, that's a good, good sign, you know, scrapes everywhere. And, and so I just started picking along and I, every 15, 20 yards, like if I would get to a scrape, I would like make a scraping motion with my boots and, you know, make a little noise and maybe let out a soft grunt and whatever. Did that for about 150, 200 yards. And this little two and a half year old buck, like basically worked right downwind to me and I had the decoy up and he's just standing there. And, and, uh, so I had the thought like, all right, so he wandered off and I was like, if there's bucks scent checking these woods, they're going to be right on the downwind side of the, of the drainage. So I moved to the edge, uh, where he had walked by and looked up and I spotted a buck up on this little finger ridge going down into the drainage and popped the decoy up, grunted at him. And he looked over, I grunted at him again. And he did like the, you know, like head bob, licked his lips and then like put his head down and dropped over the, like dropped in on me, like was coming, you know, and that, <laughs> he's like 150, 200 yards away, but he's just a big, like clean, not super heavy, but just big, clean 10. And I was like, all right. So like, but I'm in the broad, like I'm in sunshine, like the sun had just peeked <laughs> over the ridge. I'm like, you know, blinding light. And so I, 
crawled up the hill um, into the shade and got next to this little bush. And I was like, all right, I'll just like basically bury my body in this bush, have the decoy sticking out of it. Did Oh, yeah. so you didn't leave the decoy there. You had moved the decoy. No, the decoy is attached to my bow. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those heads up. Yep. Yep. Just, yep. Okay. Yep. So it's sticking off the side of my bow. So I just crawled up, got next to this bush and I am, I've got my, I'm frantic. Like I've got my range finder out. I'm ranging every <laughs> little like, like cedar bush or whatever, you know, on this hillside, like on the ridge, I was like, all right, he's going to circle downwind. I moved about 40 yards. He'll probably pop up right about here. Cause he's thinking he's going to get, you know, so I'm like, okay, that's 35. That's 45. That's 50. Like, you know, just trying to like get a range. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm doing all this and I hear something behind me and I hear something like, like leaves and a branch break. And I looked over my left shoulder and I see a deer moving up this little tiny draw behind me at like 40 yards. And so I saw that it was a buck. So I couldn't turn left cause I have my bow and the decoy and I'm in this bush. So I had to do a full, like basically 180 degree turn on my knees and get squared up facing the other direction. Still have a deer coming in behind me. But I get squared up and like I look and this deer, like just as I get turned, he squares off to me and he's like staring straight at me and he's pissed. Like, you know, in the, in the rut, like when you see, like you see bucks all run up and they have a big neck. Yeah. Like this deer was his, his neck was wider than his antlers, like wider than his head, <laughs> wider than his head, his head, his head looked like a little tiny, like, you know like ball sitting on top of this giant neck. And then, you know, all I can see is heavy antlers and, and he squares off and he's pissed. Like his eyes are just like, you know, like bulging out of his face. And like, he's coming, oh my like, God. like basically drops his head and starts like stiff walk, leg walking. He's like 40 yards. You said. Yeah. So I thought he was at 40 yards and <clears throat> I had my range finder in my hand still. Cause I had been frantically ranging the other way. Yeah. And I got in between the decoy and my bow and was able to get a range on him as he's walking towards me like fast he's at 28 yards <laughs> and so i like drop my range finder clip onto my you know release and uh he's coming and just like he's all hackled up bristled up you know just like pissed off and he stiff leg walks in to about 15 yards and like pauses like to like get a better you know like take a lot better look at the decoy and i at this point i'm at full draw and as soon as he paused i just let the arrow fly and i hit right uh basically right in his front shoulder um and punched it in through his front shoulder and like i saw the arrow you know just like disappear into him and he runs off and i'm like it's like a strong and, yeah it's like a strong quartering too yep almost yep. almost head on but then okay. when i shot he turned just a little bit and i just like basically put it in that pocket right in yeah like right around that collarbone <laughs> yep. type area yeah yeah and he runs off ran about 75 yards, stood there for a second, tipped over and the arrow had gone in. And the only thing holding the arrow in was the fletchings coming out the back ham. So like I shot all the way through him, nice. he tips over and I walked up and I mean, it was just this beautiful eight point, you know, like mid 150s, eight point. I mean, just like just a tank. an enormous tank of a deer. So, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was one of the coolest oh. experiences I've ever had hunting on the ground like that. And you were, yeah, you were with two, there were two bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. So I, yeah, shot him, watched him tip over. And then I was like, I wonder if this other deer is still coming in. <laughs> and he was, he was like, so I like moved up to this little, uh, like tree and I was just like looking and I was not being like sneaky, you know, but like, right. here he come, here he comes, like popped up at like 65 yards. 
and then freaked out because I was there and ran away. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it was it was crazy. Right? So, At that point, then, you're not even thinking. You're just like, hey, hey, dad, guys, there's another really nice buck over here. But yeah, I, I screwed it up for you. But I got this tang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just so like jacked and like oh, adrenaline awesome. was flowing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. That is so that is something that I mean, if anybody has hunted from the ground, they can kind of understand those encounters. I haven't mm-hmm. had an encounter with a buck. Actually, I had an encounter with a hundred and like I he might have he might have broke 150. I don't think so. He was a 10 point last year. Um we have uh we have like rock faces and kind of like cliff cliff type area on our on our property. And I was mm-hmm. and I used it as an access. So deer don't really use it at all. So I will use that and I'll get a tree stand right on top of that thing. So I can pop up and then pop right up the tree and sure. No one's the wiser. Yep. Um, so I was doing that last year and the last like lift, you got to put your hands up and you got to like, almost like, uh, do like a muscle up kind of deal. Like you get, you can jump and pull yourself up, but it's one of those where you set your bow up there and then you go to jump up. Sure. Yeah. So I get there and I put my hands on there. Like I'm going to put the bow up there and I look up and there's this, 140 inch 10 point at 10 yards and he's got a doe and both of them are just looking at me and i'm like oh shit (laughs) you know like i guess i'm just gonna stand here and there were four other bucks in there which was crazy you know um two small guys and another big guy big guy missed later on in the year but we're not going to talk about that yeah so they all yeah and then eventually they they busted out of there and whatnot but it was a it was an awesome experience but i mean not to the point of this buck is looking to looking to kill me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what he was, he came in. Oh, that's what he was doing. He was, yeah, he was trying to kill me. It was great. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I, man, I've had really good luck with those heads up decoys. Cause I killed another buck last year. Use, I just had clamped a heads up to, uh, uh, basically to a, the edge of a tree, um, about 20 yards out in front of me, 25 yards. And then I was just leaned up against the tree on the downwind side. Uh, like I was turkey hunting and I had my bow like on my little stand, you know, like one yeah. of those little bow tripod stands. Uh-huh. And I'd set that out in front of me. I'd throw my ghillie suit top on and I was just leaned up against that tree and I had spotted a buck coming and he was leaving. Like he was on private. I was hunting public and he was taking the drainage up and I grunted at him and he made, came over, raked a couple of trees, came down, spotted that heads up decoy and then circled downwind of the decoy. And I shot him at like, I mean, I, I, I was, I shot him. I was so close to him and I'm sitting on the ground that my arrow went up through him. Like, so when I shot him, I hit like <laughs> mid, mid to high lung on the, this side and it came out the very top of the lung on the other side. Like I was shooting up, <laughs> up at him. Like from, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he was oh my gosh. six yards, five, six yards. I mean, like, and he was right. solely focused on that decoy. Mm-hmm. So I came in. Yeah. He, he was like, you know, and immediately like hackled up and, came in and stomped in downwind and he looked at me and uh I didn't move and then he like turned focus back to the decoy and I was able to draw back and when I drew back he like paused like and heard the noise and then just let it fly and yeah done. at that yeah. point it's too late yeah so uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what pin do I use all of them They're yeah it's just I don't know put it on there <laughs> <laughs> yeah hope Did for I the best on <laughs> yeah. yeah oh that's awesome that's a hell of a I remember listening to that story but I, I appreciate you retelling it because it's a I mean and then you, I, yeah 
that's just so it's so cool. It's something that 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 I think I really want to try to do a little bit more of this year. I did more of it last year, um, yep. hunting on the ground and being a little bit more mobile that way. And not yep. not even like you know having having a tree saddle on and having my pack and my sticks yep. if I needed to. Yep. But essentially just being in like, well, I'm just going to sit here for an hour and a half or whatever on the ground. Yeah. And I, this way I don't need to set anything up. I don't need to spend yeah. time setting up. Right. Yeah. You and know? I think that's, I think that's the, you know, the kind of the important part of having tools at your disposal. Like, so, um, like I started using a saddle a little bit and I think for exactly like that type of reason, like I'm going to, you know, if I don't know if I have a specific tree or like a destination in mind, like the saddle is great. Cause then you can do both. You can, you know, hunt from the ground without worrying about moving a stand around and stuff. Um, right. where, you know, or if you have like, you know, an area, you know, well, and be like, well, the pinch is here. I can get in this tree. Like I want to be a little bit, I'm going to spend a lot of time. I can carry a stand into that, but and so having, that, yeah. yeah, having both options is a, is a good way to go. Yeah. Well, you're talking me into this heads up decoy. Someone else was talking me into that earlier this year too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett, no, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I got to know uh, Garrett Rowe is the guy that owns the company and uh, like just watching his videos from way back when, like, you know, shooting all these big deer and stuff. Like if you get in the right situation, it is a game changer. I bet. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like uh, like just like turkey hunting. I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense of if you don't have decoys and they get to a certain area or they look a certain direction, they don't see anything. Right. You know, they might just kind of be like, ah, not too interested and they just keep going. But if they see something that even resembles a deer, they're like, all right, I'll come check you out, you know, or resembles a turkey. I'll come check you out. Yeah. And they, and they're awesome for, uh, stocking on mule deer too. Like if you have the doe, like the heads up doe mule deer and you can get in on a buck or whatever. Uh, sometimes it'll just either, if you need cover to like clear a gap or something, you can use that doe decoy like to give you some cover or like if you need to creep over an edge or whatever my brother shot a giant mule deer um because he had the time he had that doe decoy on his bow and he was able to crest over the ridge and he had backlit behind him and uh so he's just like a silhouette and the buck just stood there and was like what is going on up there like could see the doe you know like the decoy and was like just like stood there long enough to try to figure it out and he was able to just you know shoot 180 inch mule deer like that was just stand there that otherwise would have just like yeah yeah it gives you those seconds even if it gives you the five seconds but that Mm -hmm. five seconds might be all you need exactly right just to confuse them a little bit yep oh that's awesome yeah well we're just about at an hour sam and i know you got some other things that we got to get to today and i actually have to work today so (laughs) (laughs) well well don't work too hard it's good talking to you yeah yeah it was good talking to you too if people want to want to find you and follow along on your adventures um you're probably you're probably not going to have data when you're moose hunting are you you're gonna have to post everything after yeah everything will come after so yeah yeah, leading up to and after (laughs) yeah right yeah Yeah, exactly so what yeah if people want to follow you where where's the best place and what can they do yeah so instagram uh either at public land tees uh or at sam soholt for me and then uh we have a youtube channel just at uh the soholt brothers so soholt brothers oh i didn't know that one yeah okay I'll have to check that one out. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And keep guys, keep in mind, like when you visit public land tees, every t-shirt you buy five bucks, if it goes to conservation. And I know like there's a lot of money being spent on this stuff. And there's a lot of people trying to get you to buy stuff right now. Um, Especially like just how the world's working right now and house prices and all that fun stuff. Yeah. 
but uh but also also keep in mind like if if you want the opportunity to hunt you know 10 years 20 years 30 years down the road like we have to put money towards it and it's not you know a lot of the government's not going to do it for us right we we need to we need to put our money where our mouth is and and do that so certainly you know put some money out there even if it's 30 50 100 dollars a year whatever you can afford um that's it's definitely going to a good cause if, if you're a hunter or a fisherman i mean trout trout unlimited you know bass fishing organizations you know all that stuff lake organizations put some money towards your towards your hobbies and not just i don't know random other stuff yeah push lights yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just uh you know get a little bit more involved it really does not take much um to to make a huge difference if we do it collectively so yeah yeah all right. Well, thanks for hopping on again, Sam. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. If you guys like the, like the podcast, please subscribe. Um, please give me a review as well. That really helps other people find me and, um, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time.